Welcome to Passion Life Church. With Marietta, but I think we need to give a great round of applause to all of the first responders and the Cal Fire people who were in there. Man, what an incredible, incredible job. Wow, wow, wow. It's like God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and Cal Fire. Come on, somebody, and our first responders. And I would just encourage you, if you know someone that, that does this as a first responder, let them know that Passion Life Church is praying for them, and we love them. You know, today we continue uh, our series that we've called A God Encounter. Somebody asked me, said, how long are you going to be in this series? And I said, you know, I honestly really don't know, because with this series, usually I have some things ironed out, and I feel like the Holy Spirit will show me some things, but, you know, uh, this this series has been kind of like the Lord has just been leading me. Is it okay if we just be led by what he wants to do? Would that be all right? And so, I don't know, maybe two more weeks and then we'll dive into something else. But I just, every time I just start to kind of close this chapter, I feel like God's showing me something else. And uh, this series to me is something that we, is so relevant because we need to be expecting the unexpected in our lives. Not just on Sunday when we come to church, but as we go into our lives, as a maybe as a mom, as a teacher business that we are expecting to have God encounters because God still wants to encounter us. God still wants us to encounter him today. Anybody believe that? If you have your Bibles, come on, let's turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 24. What I love about today's encounter is it's actually these two men initiated the God encounter. You know, we've been looking at a couple different ones throughout uh, our series, and some were, man, somebody was really thirsty, and they kind of initiated that, the God encounter. There's others where Jesus kind of just came on the scene. But what I love about this particular God encounter is that these two men initiated this God encounter. And as you're turning to Acts chapter 16, verse 24. Let me give you just a little bit of the backstory of this. These men, Paul, uh, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was doing ministry with his fellow leader and his, his fellow friend named Silas. I love that Paul was always doing ministry with other people. It's so important that we do life together. It's so important that we have somebody with us and uh, friendship. We started life groups. I hope you're getting connected to somebody because it's good in the good times, but in the bad times, sometimes you need that person to help you and pick you up. You need somebody there. And I love that Paul, you read about him and it's Paul and Silas or Paul and Barnabas. And uh, he was, they were doing ministry together. And we pick up this story because Paul and Silas, they've, they've actually been arrested and they've been arrested for doing ministry. They've been arrested for doing something good. Paul was preaching and Silas was preaching and there was a girl who uh, was telling fortunes to people and she was following Paul and Silas saying, these people are telling us the way to be saved. And that may not sound like a big deal, but Paul knew the spirit that was behind her. She was using and doing fortune telling. And I just want to encourage you, you know, I hear a lot of times Christians are talking about how they're reading their fortunes and they're reading their horoscopes. And I've had people tell me, you know, Phil, I went to a fortune teller and man, they were accurate. And I want to tell you, they can be accurate because the Bible talks about familiar spirits. Feel your spirit, familiar spirits that are demonic. How many of you know the devil knows your past? He was there. He was there, Right? I know you are not walking with him now, right? But before you were, now that you are saved, you've turned and you're going a different direction. But even though Jesus has forgiven you of your past, 
the devil still wants to remind you of your past. We used to say in the 1980s, when the devil reminds us of our past, just remind him of his future. Right where he's going. You know where he's going? Anybody know? That's right. You can say it in church. But what she was doing is she was telling fortunes, but then she was giving a little bit of truth over here. And Paul said, hey, listen, I don't want people to think that Jesus is associated with this. And so Paul cast the devil out of her. That does, does happen today. I've been in many meetings where people have been possessed by a demon and you get possessed by a demon. I believe that as a Christian, you can be oppressed, but not possessed because you know what? The greater one resides inside of you, but a person who does not know Jesus can open the door to the demonic and uh, they can open the door through, through different things, through drugs. And, and people don't really realize that, but Paul casts the devil out of her and she becomes free. Well, the problem with this was that she was working for somebody. And these people were making money off her telling fortunes. So they got mad and they got the authorities together and they said, hey, Paul and Silas are disrupting the peace and let's put them in prison. And so they were put in prison because people were saying that they were causing problems. And so watch this, Paul and Silas for doing good were stripped naked in front of the town. They were beat with rods and they were whipped with whips and thrown into prison. And this is where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 16, verse 24. Have you found it yet? It says this, having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, everybody say inner prison, and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were what? praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. I've entitled today, Praise in painful places. Let's bow our heads. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for your word today that is alive. I'm not reading just some dead book. We are reading your word. It's alive. It's powerful. It's showing us who you are. And Lord, I pray that you speak to us, not just by your word, but by your spirit today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Praise in painful places. I don't know what would have to happen to you for you to say, I had a bad day. Right now, some people it's just traffic. Right, I'm amazed how people just lose it over over little things. But I, I started to think about some of the bad days that I have. Those those days that you just kind of remember. For me, it started in kindergarten. Uh, some girl pushed me into a pit was which had cement all around it, and I broke my my, my left arm. And uh, that, that, that was a bad day. I remember um, as a teenager, maybe about 14 years old, I took a snorkeling class at this place called Wet and Wild Water World, and I, I almost drowned. Literally, uh, they had to pull me out, and I thought, like, this snorkel, I guess, just doesn't work <laughs> or something. But I got tired when I was swimming, and I just began to sink. And the lifeguard had to come in, and they literally pulled me out, right? And uh, somebody went to tell my dad, hey, your son just drowned. <laughs> literally, some kid walked up to me and said, hey, Mr. walked up to my dad and said, Mr. Valdez, your son just drowned. Just like that, no emotion. So he got up, they were doing CPR. My dad was speaking in tongues, and water's coming out, right? 
Water. I wish my dad could have just done something supernatural. Like if you've seen the movie Aquaman, you see when she puts her, 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 her hand over the face and like the water just like comes out. Uh, but thank God I lived and I didn't drown, right? Probably a bad day, right? Before I was married, I was thinking about in Bible college, uh, I was flirting with this girl and uh, you know, it was kind of like kindergarten that we were doing weird, like I saran wrapped her car and then she made, she made me cookies but the problem with the cookies that she made me is that one ingredient that she used was X-lax. She, she put X-lax in the cookies, and, uh, and so I ate them, and I was in the throne room of God for three days. And I was telling my mom, I said, Mom, you know, I think this girl, you know, could be the one. We, we were kind of flirting, and she, she, made, me, she made me cookies, and uh, they were nice. And then my mom goes, Phil, do you realize that if you had ate enough of those cookies, she could have killed you? I said, I did not realize that. She is not the one for me. And uh, I remember in, in high school, uh, that was a bad day. I remember in high school, two concussions, playing football. I remember catching the ball and uh, being tackled, and my helmet came off, and I got hit in the head with another helmet. And I know what some of you are thinking at this point. You're like, now it all makes sense. Now, now I, I remember uh, I was in a car accident, uh, herniated two discs in my back. We were stopped in El Paso on the I-10 and I was sitting in the back seat and the car behind us was stopped and the car behind that one came full force and it just so happened because I was sitting in the back seat, I herniated two discs. I would say that for me was a bad day. Uh, do you mind if I just read you a couple more? I know this is kind of like, but I, I'm, somebody told me, Phil, when you talk about this, it really helps me because we realize that you're a human being and you go through stuff. And we do. We, we do. Uh, my dad was a pastor, but he uh, and his mom, he and my mom didn't get along real well. And there were some things that happened and they went through a divorce and resigned the church. Those were bad days. This year, my father died. That was a bad, bad day. New Year's Day, my son broke his arm, thought he was Spider-Man and jumped off the couch and landed on, on his arm. That was a bad, bad day. I remember another day I was stung by a scorpion in El Paso, the scorpion was on my towel when I got out of the shower and it stung me all across my body. That was a bad day. And last but not least, I've been bitten by two dogs. Number one, a chihuahua. And number, I'm glad, I, it's interesting how you're laughing at my pain. And I was bitten by a poodle. And uh, my mom says, Phil, don't tell anybody you were bit by a chihuahua or a poodle, she's like, they're gonna question your manhood. Like say it was, you know, like a Rottweiler or something, you know? And let me just encourage you, both times gets what the owner said. Don't worry, he don't bite. Then why is he stuck to my calf? And that little chihuahua, I knew why. It's because he didn't want a kid or Taco Bell. He wanted some carne asada, that's what he wanted. But if I can today, when I think about my bad days, when I read the scripture about Paul and Silas, it doesn't even compare to what they went through. And this scripture, these scriptures that I've read to you about their life really challenge me. And I wanna to say today, I wanna to be sensitive to everybody that's in the room because I know that there are people in here that you really don't believe in, in Jesus. 
And I understand that. And I, I, you're welcome here. I want you to listen. I want you to hear God's word. I thank you for being here today. There are some of you that you're, you know, you're kind of midway in your relationship with, with God. And I understand that. But today I want you to know that this message, I'm going to talk to us as mature believers. And I'm going to talk to you as a leader today. Because I believe that when we bear the name of a Christian, that we are the salt and we are the light to a community. And I don't want to be a, a church that loses its salt and loses its light and therefore we become ineffective. And so today, today's message is going to be a little bit deeper and I hope that you'll understand that uh, today because I believe that God wants to mature us. And Paul and Silas, they, they show us that even in the worst days of their pain, beaten, humiliated, stripped and whipped, that it's possible to have a God encounter that's life changing if we'll respond the right way. And I think sometimes we're not experiencing God encounters in our lives because we're just not responding the right way. And let me just say this today. This is more easier said than done because I'm not there all the way. But I read these stories and I, they're not just Disney stories. They're real stories of people's lives. It really happened. And it inspires me and challenges me to grow. And I hope that's what this will be for you today. Because the way that Paul and Silas respond, and again, I want you to hear this. The whole crowd is against them. The whole crowd is against them. The authorities are against them. They've been humiliated. They're in pain and they put, or they're put into prison, but they respond the right way. And here's what I've learned as a Christian. Here's my responsibility. I am responsible for my response. God is responsible for the results. If I will just respond the right way, he will take care of everything else. I don't have to fix everything. I don't have to do everything. But if I will just be obedient, then you know what? He'll take care of the rest. I'm not responsible for the results. And in the prison of their life, the Bible talks about they were in the inner prison. Many believe that there was a level where the prison was, and then there was a hole in the ground where the inner prison was. In that inner prison was feces that dropped down from other prisoners. There was urine. There was all of these things in the inner prison. It was dark. Can you imagine being in that particular place, beaten and in pain? And in the prison of their life, they initiated a God encounter. I want to be like them. And... Watch how they responded. Watch their response caused a God encounter. Here's number one. In the prison, they prioritize prayer and praise over their pain. Let me say that again. In prison, they prioritize prayer and praise over their pain. Now, let me just say this. For me, this is not the natural way that I would respond. And I haven't responded, to be honest with you, in times past, right? People lie about me, and I'm not just like, well, praise the Lord, brother. They said a lie about me. That's not. Someone stabs me in the back, and I'm like, wow, that was painful. But hallelujah, that's not my response. I've never been that way. And I'm going to tell you, I've never just shot up a praise when I'm in pain. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I really didn't understand what praise was. And I really didn't understand the power of praise. And when you start to understand that, 
you can respond differently. You can respond differently. You know, the, the Bible says in the New Passion Translation, I don't know if you've read that. It's an incredible translation. It actually really reflects a lot of the real Greek. It says that Paul and Silas in these moments were undaunted. What does undaunted mean? Undaunted means that they were not intimidated. They were not discouraged by their difficulty or danger, or they weren't even disappointed. I'm going to, weren't even disappointed. And I would tell you, if this had happened to me, I would not just be disappointed. I may even enter into some depression. That would be me. But you know what? If I just respond the way everybody else responded, then I'm going to get the results that everybody else gets. And after everything that Paul and Silas went through, they didn't say, Lord, why me? Why us? As a matter of fact, to be honest with you, there's one suffering that you and I will, that Jesus promises us will happen. He says you will suffer persecution. You are going to suffer. Per if you start living as the light and salt of the wor world, people are going to persecute you. Why? Because when you act like Jesus, right, Jesus was persecuted. And he says, when you act like me, don't be surprised if people don't start to treat you like they treated me. Jesus was absolutely perfect, came to this earth, and they crucified him. And so there's one thing that we will suffer is persecution. And again, I just want to tell you, I'm talking to you as a leader, as a mature believer. Everybody knows, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is if you're going to be a leader, get ready to be criticized. Because no matter what you do, people don't like. If they don't like the way you do it, if it's not the way they have always done it, they're going to criticize. Some may even try to sabotage your success, but it's coming. But you know what I've learned? That the call is that God has on our life and the grace that he has on our life empowers us to break through all of those things. Can I hear a good amen today? But Paul and Silas weren't like, why us, God? They weren't pouty, pouting. They weren't depressed. They weren't going cray-cray and cussing out the guards because of what had happened. And the Bible says in prison and in their pain, they begin to pray and praise God. What a response. Now, I want you to notice something that we read. The Bible doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say or doesn't deny what they went through. See, we're not here today to deny that there's pain and you may be in a place today where you may not wanna be. But listen, the Bible doesn't say either that they were praising God for their pain. My church family, they were praising God despite the pain. They were praising God despite what was going on. And so you see Paul and Silas, they didn't allow the prison and the pain to stop them from praising and praying. And sometimes I think what we're going through stops us and hinders us. Well, I don't want to praise God. I don't want to pray. Can I just tell you, you need to pray. You need to praise God because that's what's going to cause the breakthrough to come in your life, right? But it's not something that we just default and say, oh man, that's just something that I like to do. But we need to understand that in the prison, we need to prioritize prayer and praise over the pain. Here's number two. We need to realize that praise and prayer accesses God's power. This is why when we're in pain, this is why when we're in a place that we may call a prison of our life, this is why even when things are going good, that we should pray and praise. I'll tell you why. Because it accesses God's power. Anybody want to see God's power in your life? Anybody want to see a God encounter? See, praise and prayer accesses God's power and God's promises. But here's the thing. Many times God wants us to praise 
before we see the promise. He wants us to praise before we see the promise. We need to understand this. What's interesting is praising God and praying are kind of what we least feel like doing, but yet we got to do it the most. I like to call praise having a vertical view. Vertical view, looking up. So many times we just have a horizontal view, looking all around. You know what? I can't believe these people. I can't believe what they did to me. I, I can't believe this prison smells like crap. Oh my gosh, everything is, is horrible. Look at me, I'm locked in these chains. To me, that is a horizontal view and it doesn't take anybody uh, spiritual to realize those things. But it does take somebody that wants to see a God encounter to look up and start to say, you know what? I wanna look at the person of Jesus even though I'm in a prison, even though I have pain, I want to look at the person of Jesus Christ. And this is what they did. They put their eyes on the person of Jesus Christ, not just their pain and not just their prison. And here's what happens. We can get so, so consumed with what's going on. See, what really praise does is praise magnifies God, not the problem. Now, do you know this? You can't make God any bigger. He's already almighty God but you can make him bigger in your own life. You can magnify him in your own life. And you know, as a pastor, I talk to a lot of people who are magnifying their problems, magnifying their financial situation, magnifying the sickness. Listen, I'm gonna tell you, I know that cancer is serious. I know that cancer can be powerful, but it is not bigger and more powerful than the name above every name, and that name is Jesus. But I wanna know who are you gonna magnify? And here's the truth. God lets you choose. He lets you choose. And I get tired of people always talking about their condition. It's always, always, always about my condition. Listen, you need to have a vertical view and start, listen, nobody's denying the diagnosis. Nobody is denying that you may have this or going through this, but here's the thing. What are you going to magnify? And what praise does is praise magnifies God, not the problem. And see, here's what happens. What we focus on has the power to consume our hearts and our minds. And if we allow the prison and the pain to be our focus, that's just going to be a horizontal view, just looking around. Oh, I'm in the prison. Oh, look at what these people did to me. You don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. But you know what? If you want to see breakthrough, here's what you got to do. You got to start looking up. The Bible says, look up. Your help comes from the Lord. You got to start looking up. Is this good this morning? But watch this. I think a lot of times what we do is we measure God's character by our circumstances. Can I just encourage us today? Don't measure God's character by your circumstances. Measure God's character by his word that never returns void. Can I just tell you how much God, how much equity God puts on his own word? Psalms 138 verse two says this, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified, look at this, your word above your name. God says, if I don't keep my word, I'm not who I say I am. My word to you is my bond. I want to put faith in his word. 
But so oftentimes, you know what we do? We put our equity and we put our trust in, and we look in circumstances and we start to measure God's character by our circumstances. If Paul and Silas would have done that, they never would have got out of the prison. But Paul and Silas were singing in their chains. Listen, this doesn't make sense. Bleeding, busted, bruised, in chains, singing praise to God. Arms held high. You're going to know why they don't let me sing in the worship. Live my life only to find Christ. You think that's weird of me singing it. Imagine guys who are bleeding in chains beginning to lift up their voice and praise. It doesn't make sense because that's not how we usually respond, right? But we have to understand that praise starts to magnify God. But what happens is when we pray and we, when we have prayer and we praise, it's actually an expression of your faith. It's an expression of your faith. That's why my church family, I wanna encourage you. you, you listen. The, the praise and worship time is not just a time, oh, you know what, we got about 20 minutes to get to church because you know, they, they sing that and then we'll get there and we'll get there for the message. Do you know that when we come in here to praise and worship, what's really happening is that you are expressing your faith. Now I'm gonna tell you, I know it's awkward. I know it's awkward to sit there and look at the words of those songs, especially when we sing about healing and you're like, man, I don't feel healed. I don't feel healed. And everybody's singing you that, well, man, this person must be singing because they're, they're not feeling what I'm feeling. No, maybe the person next to you is singing because they're expressing their faith in God and that faith in God is what's gonna heal them. We don't just sing about what we feel. We sing about what we believe because that's what faith is all about. I know and it's weird. But here's the thing, if you're already healed, you don't need faith for healing. You need faith for healing when you're sick. And so when we come in and we start singing about victory, you're like, well, I don't got the victory. You know, I just don't, I'm not, I know you don't feel it and I know you don't see the victory, but here's the thing. Here's what faith does. Faith believes even when it doesn't see. Let me try this side. Faith believes even when it doesn't see. And so what happens is out of your mouth is an expression of faith. My church family, they weren't singing in their head. <laughs> the Bible says that the other prisoners actually heard them singing. Actually heard them. They were making a sound, a sound of faith. See, if we can understand this, I believe we can see God encounters and we can see God move among us. It's funny because in the Old Testament, God told Joshua, he says, I've given you the city of Jericho. It's yours. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk around it one time for seven days. And here's what he said. I want to put the praise team out in front. We're going to put the praise team out in front. Now, they didn't have electric guitars and stuff. All they had at that point was trumpets and stuff. And so they put the trumpet people up in the front. But he said, I want you to make a sound. I just want you to walk around. And I thought about why did God tell them not to make a sound? Why did he tell them to be quiet? You know, I think he told them to be quiet because the children of Israel had a history of complaining. And he says, you know, if you just shut your mouth, you'll see the victory. If you'll just stop complaining, you know what? Your complaining is prayer in reverse. Your complaining is faith in reverse. You keep speaking the never. So I just want you to, shh, this is Jesus shutting your mouth. 
Walk around, but don't say anything for seven days. But on the seventh day, on the seventh time, I want you to shout. I want you to notice this. It's interesting. He tells them to shout before the walls come down. See, here's what I like to do. I like to shout when the walls come down. Like, thank you, Jesus. Whoo, praise you, Lord. The walls came. That's good. But what faith does, watch this, is faith shouts before the walls come down because faith shouts before it sees. Let me say that. Faith has a shout before it sees. Anybody can shout, right? Anybody can shout when it's already happened, and we should. We should thank God. Thank you, Lord, for the walls coming down. But God says here, listen, if you will open up your mouth and shout before the walls come down, what you are doing is expressing your faith, and God is moved by faith, and walls in our lives will fall. If you believe that, come on, give him a good round of applause today. I want you to think about this as you talk about and, and you go about your life and the things that you say. My dad always used to say when we'd say something, he'd go, okay, is that your confession of faith? I go, oh, today's going to be a hard day. Okay, is that your confession of faith? Oh, life is tough. Is that your confession of faith? Because you're speaking into the atmosphere. Let me go a little bit deeper. See, we don't understand, I think sometimes, that God functions by faith. This is how he created the, the heavens and the earth. The Bible says he spoke it into existence. Faith is how God operates. The Bible says that you and I have the faith of God. God puts his actual faith in our lives and faith is expressed in our confession. What you say is bringing your faith into the atmosphere. Let, let me, can I go just a little bit deeper? You know, I had some people tell me, you know, Pastor Phil, hey, listen, uh, we like Passion Life Church, but it's just not for us. And I said, what? Why, why isn't it for you? I just don't like when you're up there preaching and people are like talking back to you and going, amen, amen. I thought that was interesting. And you know what I found? They don't understand the power of amen. Now watch this. The reason why people shout back to me is not because they're trying to be religious. But what amen says, when I say the Lord is our healer and you say amen, watch. Now you can say it in your head. But there's no expression there. But watch this. The Bible says, Jesus said, that where two or more agree as touching anything, it can happen. So here's what amen does. When you say amen, you are saying, so be that in my life. Watch, it actually means this, truth, so be it to me. So when someone in, is preaching or, and, you, and sometimes I just want to keep saying amen, but I know that the ushers will take me out because like you're, you're being too distracted. But here's the reality. When someone says something that's truth to me, I always say amen because here's what it is. It's an expression of faith saying this, watch, be that to me. And when he says it, I say amen. We're agreeing together and God can do something right there, right where you're at when you say amen. So this isn't just like a, hey, rah, 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 right? This isn't just a religious thing. It's actually I want to be in agreement because when I'm in agreement, God can do something. Amen. One more time. Amen. I just want to make sure before I, I say this, I just want to make sure that, that it's true. I, I forgot to look it up, but I just, I just want to say this before I give it to you. Do you know what the last word in the Bible is? 
Amen. Revelation. After everything Jesus said, he said, this is my truth. And it ends with amen. Amen. Be that unto me. So I know we're not just a holy roller church or it's because we understand that there's an expression of faith and that God can move in that. And so faith sees a shout before it sees. I want us to understand how, how important praise is because your praise and your prayers literally are spiritual weapons. The Bible talks about there's stories in the Bible where God says, I want the praisers out in front. Why? Because it's accessing God's presence. It accesses God's presence. It's funny because God didn't say, you know what? Send the Spartans out there. Send the ninja warriors out there first. Here's what he said. I want the praisers out there first. Because praise always precedes breakthrough in your life. Because it accesses. Praise accesses the presence of God. Watch, I want to help and just break this down just a little bit more. Psalms 22 verse 3 says this. David was talking about it. He says, but thou art holy. Right? Holy means set apart. God's set apart. Right? There's no sin in him. He's holy. Thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. In other words, God inhabits the praises of his people. I want to break this down a little bit more. When you and I begin to open up our mouth, what's praise? We begin to adore him. We begin to say, God, you're so good. God, you're all powerful. Right? Listen, in those same breaths, I could be saying, man, today's horrible. But I turn that around and I focus on the person of Jesus Christ, despite my pain, despite where I'm at. And I say, God, you are great. You are almighty. You are all powerful. Now watch this. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, this word inhabits means this, to occupy space. Now, it also means this, God enthrones himself on the praises of his people. Now, I wanna help us. God is on his throne, right? God doesn't need another throne. He's on his throne. But here's what he does want. He wants to sit on the throne of your heart. So when I begin to lift up a praise, here's what I do. When I lift up a praise, my praise is like a seat that God will sit on and anywhere God sits, he occupies that space. So here's the reality. If I am feeling sick and I begin to lift up a praise, here's what I'm doing. I'm creating a seat for God to sit, to occupy the sick areas of my life. So if I will open that up, have you ever, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm going to ask just because I'm trying to make a point, but please do not lift your hands when I ask this question. Have you ever gone to court for a traffic ticket? I have been there many times. Okay. Many times. So I know this drill. You get in there, there's signs that say, put away your cell phone, you know, all this stuff, no talking. And everybody's just kind of real chill because you're in the court, right? But you're kind of, so I still see some people on their phone, but here's what happens. When the judge walks in, right, and there's a chair, the judge walks in, people are still like, here comes the judge right in that, in that robe, and as soon as that judge sits down, it's like that authority just ripples through the courtroom, 
because it's like the judge sat down. Everybody's like putting away their phone, like quiet, focused on the judge. And she's like, you know, she starts her thing. And I thought about that's how God is in the areas of our life when we praise him. If we will lift up a praise, here's what he does. He brings all of his holiness and righteousness and power and he sits there and that power ripples through our life and it ripples through the areas that occupies spaces in our lives that may be hurt, that may be pain. So if I'll pray, I'll create a, a, a space. I read one commentary. It said this, God sits where he's celebrated. He sits where he's celebrated. And so when I begin to lift him up, here's what he does. Boom, his throne, his everything that he is comes into these spaces. That's why I want to lift up my hands and say, God, occupy all of this space. Here's my whole life. I don't want to hold anything back from you because here's the reality. I found that the areas that I hold back from God are usually the areas that hold me back. And so I lift up my hands even though I don't feel it. I lift up my hands, even though I may not be experiencing it. But when I do, God will inhabit the praises of his people. Can we just take a praise break for a moment and come on, give God a great round of applause. Let him inhabit this space. Now, can I just remind you, I'm talking to you as mature people. I really do believe we should praise God for what he's done. But as you grow in faith and as you grow as a Christian, listen, we've got to learn how to praise God, not just for what he's done, but for who he is. Watch this. Am I not saying that we should praise him for what he's done? No, we should. The Bible says that. But here's, here's, here's my concern. If we only praise him for what he's done, if we feel like he's not doing something in our life, we won't praise him. And that's why the psalmist says in Psalm 31, David says in Psalm 34, one, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so here's what I've started to learn. I just praise him for who he is. Parents, do you want your kids just to love you because you give them things? Or do you want them to love you because they know your heart and they love you? I want my son to know my heart. I want him to know me. Not just when I give him gifts. Dad, when's Christmas? When's my birthday? When's... And I think sometimes God is so loving and he gives us gifts. But my concern is that we're just lo in love with the gift giver and not the person and character of Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. If God doesn't give you what you want, if you know his character, you'll still praise him. Because sometimes what we want is not always what we need. And there's some things that we want that God will give us, but if he gives us to us, sometimes what we want is not always what we want after we get it. And so I wanna trust his character. I wanna praise him for who he is, not just what he's done. Is this good this morning? And I wanna end with this this morning. As Paul and Silas are praising God, the Bible says that other prisoners heard them. Now listen, I realize Every time I preach, I'm establishing our culture here at Passion Life Church because we're a newer church and, and, you know, there's all different types of churches. I have people come to Passion Life and they're like, you know, my church, we don't stand up for praise and worship. We just sit down. Okay, it's fine. Good for you. I've had people come and say, man, you know what? It's, it's interesting is that a lot of people are singing in this church. Yeah, we sing. We sing not because we have it all together, but we understand that praise is an expression that God 
will establish his throne on. But I want to tell you, here's another reason why the worship team wants you to sing. I'm going to tell you why I want you to sing. Because the Bible says that when Paul and Silas sang and other people heard them, Paul and Silas didn't just get the doors open and their chains fall off. Because of their praising, all of the chains fell off in everybody in the prison. Pastor Phil, I don't, I don't really have a, a, a good voice. It doesn't matter. God's not looking at your voice. He's looking at your faith. That's why we turn the music up just a little loud. Because we know some people can't sing. But you know what? Here's the thing. It's not about that. It's about expressing your faith. And I just want us to know, I'm, I'm talking to us as leaders and mature people, that you don't understand that your praise could be setting somebody else on your row free because of what's going on. That when God enthrones himself, he's not just wanting to set you free. He's wanting to set other people free too. Come on, can I hear a good amen this morning? Come on, let's give him a good round of applause. And Paul and Silas begin to sing. People are hearing them. And guess what? The ground begins to shake. The ground begins to shake. I love what Acts 16, 26 says. It says, and suddenly. Somebody say suddenly. 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 Right? Why is God and the whole place starting to move? Because here's what praise can do. Praise brings heaven to earth. Listen, Jesus said that we are to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus said, I'm supposed to pray that earth, that heaven come to earth. I'm supposed to pray that. And here's what happens. Prayer accesses God, but so does praise. And ladies and gentlemen, when heaven hits your prison, everything will shake. Chains will fall. Freedom will happen. God brings his presence. And that's what happened. The Bible says suddenly. I want to tell you some good news. God works in suddenlies. There are times where suddenly you're single. Next thing you know, you're married. I was single for seven years. And then suddenly everything changed. And if you'll be patient and just wait, God can move in a suddenly. Suddenly, right, you're, you're unemployed. Suddenly you got an incredible job. God can work in a suddenly. It's as suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Let me say it again. All the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. All the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Their God encounter touched other people's lives. Can I just encourage us today? Let's not be so consumed with our own pain and our own prison that we forget that there are people in worse prisons than you are. There are worse people. Listen, when the prison doors were open and the chains were unlocked, the prison guard was so scared. He was looking around. Now I want you to understand this. In this time, the prison guards, if they lost a prisoner, the price they had to pay was their own life for the life that they lost. And so this prison guard looks around and he doesn't see anybody. He thinks all the prisoners have gone. So he takes out his sword. He's about to commit suicide because he knows that they were going to kill him for all of these people being free. 
And guess what happens? Paul and Silas are just sitting there. And he says, put your sword away. We're all still here. Put your sword away. And you know what the guard does? He looks at Paul and he says this, what must I do to be saved? The guard's whole family, if you read the story, because of the way that Paul and Silas responded in their pain and in their prison. The prison guard gets saved. His whole family gets saved and give their life to Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear this. And I think this is something that I want to live towards my church family. See, Paul thought it was a far greater thing to make sure that others got out of an eternal prison than for them to get out of their temporary prison. Let me say that again. Paul thought it was a far greater thing for them for, for, to make sure that others got out, of their, got out of their eternal prison than for them to get out of their temporary prison. My church family, are you ready? Here's where I'm gonna talk to mature people. I don't think we realize in our pain and when we feel like we're going through a prison, the world is watching us. I'm talking to mature believers. The world is watching and they wanna know if God is real. Can I just say this? Not only is the world watching, the people in your neighborhood are watching. Can I just say this? Your kids are watching. When you're going through pain, when you're going through a prison, listen, your grandkids are watching and they're watching how we go through what we go through because they want to know, look at me, look at me. They want to know if you can go through it and get through it, right? And be healthy, that maybe there is a God. Maybe I'll do what you're doing because you're going through and you're getting through. But you know what? If we just act like the world and we think we have every right to cuss everybody out and look like this every Monday morning and I need six cups of coffee because I need joy because I don't have joy. They look at us and they go, man, and you say you went to church? Listen, can I just say, if you act like that, don't tell them you came to this church. But if they'll see people who the joy of the Lord is their strength, and I love it because you know what? When I've, I've helped so many kids through walk through a divorce with their parents, I've act, probably have, have had over 500 kids that I've helped walk through a divorce. You know why? Because I went through a divorce with my parents and I came out on top. And if I can do it, you can do it. You know what? I've had so many things happen in my life, but I thank God that there was breakthrough. And I'm telling you that your breakthrough can actually be a blessing to somebody else because they they are watching. And Paul and Silas just didn't run out. They realized that God and their witness was more important than what they were going through at the time. And my church family, I asked myself this question, who's counting on me? Who's counting on me? I want to ask you this question. Who's counting on you today? A whole family gave their lives to Jesus because of Paul and Silas's bad day. Think about this. In Paul and Silas's bad day, people get set free. They get saved. Imagine what a good day would have looked like. And I just want to know today, my church family, we can make our pain all about us. We can make the place that we're in all about us. But I want to tell us today, this isn't just about you. God's going to bring you through. If you'll respond in praise and prayer 
And I want you to know this, oper- this pain or this prison you are in can be an opportunity for people to see God's glory in your life. And can I just tell you, God is no respecter of persons. If he can do it for Paul and Silas, he'll do it for you. But I want to ask you a question. What are you doing with the pain? What are you doing? Are you constantly just sulking, feeling sorry for yourself, saying how much it hurts? My church family, it's not going to get better that way. But if you will open up your heart today and give God a praise, not for the pain, in the midst of the pain, to say, God, I'm not going to focus on this and my pain. I want to focus on the person of Jesus Christ. Come on, close your eyes for just a moment on his goodness. On his Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.